Welcome to the Hamumu Halloween Home Horror Hoedown, the podcast where we watch scary movies so you don't have to. From award-winning to completely unknown, we take them all way too seriously. I'm your host, Mike Hommel. And I'm your host, Solange Hommel. Now warning, we use a ghoulish number of spoilers, so watch the movies first. Second warning, we don't know anything about anything, so don't take us seriously as we take these movies seriously. So shortly after we watched a documentary about dead hot girls, yes, we're watching another documentary. But is it? Is it? No. This one was not. This one? <gasps> Surprise! It's a double feature. So today we're talking about horror in the high desert and horror in the high desert 2 colon Minerva. Yeah, which, why wasn't it horror in the high desert 1 colon Gary? I mean, I don't know, because at the end of that movie, they very clearly had a plan <laughs> for another one, which was not colon Minerva. It, <laughs> it was wasn't. something else entirely. It super wasn't. I think it was probably three colon that other guy who speaks Spanish. Yeah. Yeah. Was the actual next plan, but they, whatever. I mean, maybe, what year was this movie from? 2021. Oh. Horror in the High Desert was from 2021. Horror in the High Desert 2, Minerva, was from 2023. So... It's possible that their plan for these movies got derailed by COVID, much like everything else. Yeah, that's possible. So any problems we have, we're just going to blame on COVID. Yeah, perfect movie. Okay. These were not documentaries, but they were fictional movies cleverly disguised, or not so cleverly, depending on which one we're talking about, uh, as yes. a true crime show. Very much in the case of the first movie, it was a legit true crime show until the last 10 minutes where they're yeah. like, and now we're going to show you this piece of footage, which turns out to be 10 minutes of Blair Witch. Yeah. It was so cleverly. Okay. Let's start by talking about the first one. Yes. Okay. Horror in the High Desert was so cleverly disguised as a true crime documentary that I made you check not once, but twice <laughs> to make sure that we were actually watching a fictional movie. Yeah, in part because they really buried the lead that anything weird was going on. They're like, this guy must have gotten murdered, and that's that. Right? And like throughout, there's all these, just like with true crime documentaries, there's like, we're going to talk to this person and like as if they are just a normal person that we're talking to. But then <gasps> there's some reason why they might be the one who did something to Gary. There might Maybe be. Maybe they're the bad guy. And then we'd go off on some other tangent. and A lot of tangents. Yeah. Yeah. Until suddenly there's a like pasty yeah. guy with half a face who lives in a cabin out in the middle of the nowhere. And that's, that's the guy. Yeah, but here's the thing with that. That still fits true crime. Like, it was just a guy. But then they're, like, trying to make it something supernatural, even though there was nothing supernatural. I mean, okay, so uh, 
it's going to be hard to just talk about the first one because I'm going to have to, I, I want, I, I want to compare them. Yeah. So in the first one, I feel like the horror of it is he stumbles across this actual human who has chosen to live like three days hike away from anyone else in the state of Nevada, which honestly seems like a relatively good choice to me. Wise. But he's out there in a cabin, clearly doesn't want to have guests, and is not entirely in keeping with this social contract that the rest of us keep. <laughs> yeah, the, the that, no machetes contract. Yeah, in that if someone shows up at his door unannounced, he murders them. Yeah, which is fine. Also, walking around with a torch at night, that's weird. Is it? I yeah. Mean, okay, but here's the thing. I mean, thing. unless you're British. But in America, a torch <laughs> is a weird thing to carry. But here's the thing. If you lived in a cabin in the middle of Nevada all by yourself for decades, I don't think that guy has, like, electricity and running water uh, and internet. Yeah. Right? Like, a torch would be normal for him. Gary was the one who was going in and, like, being disruptive to this guy who was... Not yeah. really hurting anybody. Well, and when I say they tried to make it something supernatural, there was this whole element where Gary, he went out to there the first time. Yes. Not intending to go there. He was just on a random hike, just exploring. And he came across this cabin and he talks about how he felt so weird and like it creeped out, even though he didn't know why. Right. He wouldn't even go near it the first time. He mm -hmm. was like, it gave off bad vibes. I'm not, I have no interest in going to see this cabin. It smells like smoke weirdly all around it. Yeah. Which, I mean, there was smoke coming from the chimney. So there you go. Makes sense, right? Yeah. Um. So he didn't go anywhere near it. He went back home. He told his vlog <laughs> about it. That's vlog with a V, despite the fact that they called it a blog the entire time. They did. He told his vlog about it, and then his 50,000 viewers, because apparently Gary is a Nevada hiking influencer. And no one knew. Not one person in his life knew. Not even his roommate who <laughs> said how he had seen him filming stuff in the backyard. He's like, I didn't know why he did that. Oh, I didn't ask any questions. <laughs> So he tells his his 50,000 viewers about it, and they're all like, nuh-uh, that didn't happen. Uh, Picks or it didn't Picks happen. Picks or it didn't happen, exactly. And he basically gets bullied into going back out into a three-day hike out into the Nevada wilderness. Yep. And he makes sure he doesn't want anyone else to go out there. He doesn't want to tell them where it is because he doesn't want to be responsible for other people having a weird, creepy feeling. <laughs> Well, okay. I got distracted from my comparison. Okay. So in the first one, it really very much feels like it's just like a, a creepy human who would be a serial killer if there were enough humans <laughs> around yeah. for him to serial kill. If he had somebody available. In the second one, they very strongly suggest that it's not one guy, it's a bunch of creepy guys living in that one single like 200 square foot cabin. Yeah, I think they left off. They dumped the whole cabin thing, and they're just like, they're out here somewhere. Oh, maybe maybe that one had just yeah, he, you know, that was his ensconced house. himself in this cabin. Yeah. Okay, but so there's lots of them out there. They are them, mm -hmm. and they have returned. And were and they alien? Is as that it what says, was suggested? It's all part of a bigger mystery, but it's still a mystery because we don't know why. 
right? Or who they are. Which, for reasons, we'll get to it when we more closely discuss the second movie. But, mm-hmm. like, in the first one, I felt like they had a very clear narrative that, like, there was just a guy out there. He was killing people who went near his cabin. Like, don't go there. Yeah. And he functioned like a serial killer. He drove Gary's car out to somewhere Gary wouldn't have been and parked it there so that, you know, to lead people off the scent. He took Gary's backpack and put Gary's severed hand inside it and, like, put it at someone's campsite so they'd find it. Which is, okay, that part didn't make any sense to me. I mean, it was just a creepy thing to do. Because it almost, like, the way it was presented was like, no one could figure out what happened to Gary. And then this backpack with the severed hand and the video footage of what uh-huh. happened were left intentionally like hanging on a shovel in some campground as if this guy was like, uh, hello, <laughs> yeah. um, I'm the one who did it. Can I please get credit for my crime? Yeah. But Why? He probably wouldn't be doing that because he doesn't have a TV or he, he might, but he doesn't have electricity, so it doesn't matter. <laughs> Exactly. Like, that guy doesn't get the newspaper. <laughs> I mean, he might go into town and pick it up every so often. I I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. I feel like people would notice if this guy with half a face showed up in town yeah. to buy the paper. And to be clear, you're saying half a face, but he's never shown well. We just get this vibe that he doesn't look normal is about all we really know. I mean, I feel like I we got a couple of looks through like the fake night vision (laughs) filming where it was like he had an eye and whatever on one side, but it was just like basically like a burn victim, you know, where it was just all completely scarred over on the other side. Something like that. But yeah, I mean, it wasn't clear because Gary spent most of the time shining his flashlight and his looking through his night vision camera (laughs) directly into a tree so everything is blown out yes. and you can't see anything yes that's a whole whole thing to discuss i was really angry at him for using a night vision camera and a flashlight <laughs> yeah he pulls out the flashlight at one point like he's fil- he's going along filming with the night vision camera and then he pulled out a flashlight and started pointing it at things I think he had the flashlight out at the whole the whole time. Well, I don't know, maybe. I mean, I guess I don't really know how night. It wasn't holding it were. in the frame of view the whole time. No, but like I was seeing the light. <laughs> yeah, it felt like I don't know. Which then I'm like, why are you even bothering with night vision? I mean, I guess it helps theoretically well, you can see it. But the idea behind that with most movies is that they want to be able to sneak around and not be seen. Which, that was his point. That was what he said he was doing. He's like, I'm going to do this so he can't see me because I'm using night vision. And the movie expresses that, if that's what movies do, (laughs) in that, you know, the guy, like, walks up, gets right in front of him and doesn't know he's there exactly. But he can kind of sense he is, so it's, like, it's scary because the guy can kind of find him, even though clearly he can't see him. So, Which doesn't make any sense yeah. because Gary has the only source of light in like <laughs> a 300-mile radius. And I'm going to say that there, the intent of the movie was that he didn't have a light, even though he did at one point. At one point, he definitely had a flashlight and clicked it on. But we'll say for the rest of the time, he wasn't, didn't have it on. And what we were seeing was just how the night vision worked. It was just like it looked bright because of the way it worked. Maybe. 
It felt like shooting night for day, yeah. only in this case shooting night or shooting like flashlight for night vision. Yeah. It didn't work for me. It felt wrong. Well, he snuck up on the guy, the guy snuck up on him. Yeah. And the movie ends with the dramatic <gasps> seeing his face, just like Five Nights at Freddy's. <laughs> I mean that that's the extent of the the scare. Yeah, I mean, yeah. I was much more intrigued by the true crime aspect of it, where they were like, what happened to Gary? Let's talk to his sister, who refers to him as my brother, Gary, <laughs> literally every time. Like, yes. both of those things are included. At no point does she just start saying Gary my or brother. my brother. It's as if she is talking to us about him for the very first time every time she mentions him. Yeah. I think until that last 10 minutes where it goes straight Blair Witch, it feels very much like a real true crime thing where yes. they're just doing little, they have weird shots of like the desert or whatever while they're talking about something unrelated. And, you know, it kind of drops in, oh, Beverly screwed up the investigation for us. And then we find out how, and it's uh-huh. it's well done in that respect. But also my note was that, in a real true crime documentary, you know, there's not a lot of crazy, interesting things happening in real life. So they kind of have to hype it up and they're like, but they found this scrape of paint somewhere and they make it seem like this big deal. And this movie did that too, but it didn't have to. Like, it's a fictional movie. It could have had really <laughs> interesting things happening the whole time. Well, but that's part of what made it feel realistic as <laughs> yes, true crime, was that was. they wrote it like actual true crime. Like, there wasn't that much interesting going on. And they added things in like, dun-dun-dun, surprise, he has a gay lover that he met on Craigslist or eBay or some weird place. <laughs> like One of those, you know, which, when you meet people shopping. You know, which they mentioned for like Two minutes and then it never comes up totally again. Totally unrelated because to it, anything. It was nothing interesting. Yeah. But they had to like make it seem like maybe he got murdered by his gay lover. Yeah. No, he did not. He did not. Yeah, there was a bunch of that stuff. One thing was they, like I said, they kept mentioning how Beverly really got in the way of the whole investigation. And there was really only one example of that. They kept saying that. Like... As if she was constantly causing problems, which made it seem like maybe she was the actual one who Mm -hmm. killed him. But it was just a case where she accidentally deleted some video that they needed to see, which is funny. That happened in uh, The Ref also. (laughs) Pretty good. I feel like most of the way she was in the way was that she was like, she wanted to know what was going on and she kept asking the police and she kept like trying to insert herself into the investigation or like sharing information with people she shouldn't have shared it with or hiring this PI Yeah, when the cops were like, let us do our job. Uh, The PI who also did nothing. Right? Yeah. Yeah. I have a question for you solely. Yes. What happened to Gary's leg at the end of the movie? Oh, I don't know because I have a note that says five shots and then injured leg. Yeah. I don't know. Suddenly he was hurt. Yeah. I I legitimately was like, did he shoot himself with that last (laughs) shot? Like what just happened? Yeah. He checks out his leg and he's like, Ooh, there's, it's bleeding. I don't know why. Maybe he just scratched himself on a bush and we didn't really need to see that. Maybe, maybe there was something that was cut out where he like fell or something like, or the guy 
macheted him. Well, that's what I was thinking. Like, you know. know, he got swiped at him, almost got him, but they didn't show that. So I don't know. Yeah, that part clearly got cut out. I think part of the confusion there is that it's all being filmed by Gary. So we're not seeing anything that Gary is doing. We're just seeing that Gary is being stalked through, you know, the high desert, which frustrated me because I'm like, I understand that you're trying to record this stuff for your vlog so you can prove to your 50,000 viewers that you're not a coward. (laughs) But also, like, it's that thing that happens in all found footage movies at some point where you're like, put the camera down (laughs) or shove it in your backpack and then just start moving away from the bad guy. Like, stop focusing on the wrong piece of action right now. Yeah. I mean, there's a higher priority. It's the tension between what he needs to do for himself and what he needs to do to make a movie. Yes. For us. Yes. So this whole thing to me felt like, like we were watching a very professionally done murder mystery dinner party. Yeah. Which often happens with found footage things where each of the characters was given a certain subset of information, but they didn't know everything about everyone else. So they're kind of learning these things as we are, and they're having to just ad lib along with what was going on. Of course, it's full of ad lib. Yeah. I mean, that's the found footage way. The found footage way, which is identifiable by the fact that they say the same, very (laughs) small pieces of information multiple ways Yeah, over and over and over again, because that's all they know. And they're trying to figure out, like, who's going to say the new thing that gives me more information? (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. But there's not a lot of interaction between characters here because it's all, you know, like face-to-face interviews like any true crime documentary. Right. Right. I mean, I think that there were points where like they were interviewing Beverly and she's saying one thing and then like clearly she's given a new piece of information because we jump off to some other like, oh, now we're talking to the roommate who reveals this. Mm-hmm. And then they say to her like, okay, but now the roommate has revealed this. And, she, and then she changes <laughs> what she's saying in her talking head interview. Yeah. So all of that is how the first movie goes. And then the second movie tries to take that story and make it a big issue. Like you said, that there's a lot of them out there and we still don't know what they are. So one of the questions that never really got answered for me was, did Minerva happen before or after Gary? Because it's got the same reporter. Yeah. I feel like it's after, but I don't know why. Well, there were a couple of times where she's like, where the reporter is like, kind of vaguely references the whole Gary story. But I couldn't tell if it was in a way of like, this thing that happened, and now it's, you know, this is happening again. Or if it was later when I did the thing about the Gary story, it was revealed to me this, that Art and I understood better. Like, I couldn't tell. Well... It's not just Minerva, though, because it turns out the second movie just splits down the middle to suddenly switch to the story of Emiliana, who is also apparently murdered by these weirdos. And there's like there's nothing to her story. She her car breaks down in the desert and she's been told by her parents that if that happens, you go and hide out in the bushes and wait for your family to come get you, which is insane. (laughs) I mean, it keeps, you know, 
people driving up and murdering you. I mean, okay. In the real world, you stay with your vehicle because that's where the rescue people are going to go. Yeah, but you can but see fine. them from your secret spot. Uh-huh. But she did that and apparently got murdered. And I think, now this is what I saw. I think the gist of it was a car that we assume is her dad drives by. She's yelling about how that must be her dad. And this is all at dark of night. And silhouetted as the car drives by with, there's no slow-mo, there's no zoom in. There's like a figure is visible briefly. And I don't know if that's, if I really saw that or if it was a tree or whatever, but that was my thought was that we see that. And then, you know, she apparently gets murdered. We hear screaming or whatever. And that's her story. That's the end of it. Yeah. Uh, I don't know. I cannot help you with this because by that point in this movie, I was so bored and so (laughs) disconnected from what was happening that I didn't even see that. Well, and that's what this movie does is it starts with the true crime thing. But by like a third of the way in, it's just full on Blair Witch for the rest of the movie. Like it, it, yeah. it'll cut for a moment and be like, so then there was an EMT who went out there and here's his video. And they just cut into this yeah. long, 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 long journey of him wandering through the dark with a flashlight. Yeah. So this one yeah. felt to me... Like, okay, I wrote down, I was trying to figure out what does this feel like? I wrote down three different things. First of all, I have a reoccurring nightmare where I'm in a basement of a house and it's just room after room after room. And I'm just like walking through the rooms and I like have to push my way through old clothes, hanging on racks. And like, it's all, it's just like this maze of rooms that I am trapped in for the entire dream. Yeah. It felt like that because like... It was just shifting slowly from one thing to another, but it never looped back around and it just kept going and changing and I was trapped in it. So it felt like that. Or it felt like when they wrote it, someone wrote the first page and then passed it to someone else who wrote the next page. And like it was just written in like camp style. Mm -hmm. And... Some of the people went back and read the pages that had been written before, and some of them didn't. And none of them knew where the previous people were intending for it to go. No, definitely. So it just kept rambling on. Or perhaps this movie is just a story being told by a five-year-old. Yeah, that makes sense. And and there was a scary guy. They're like, (laughs) what was scary about him? He was half a face. Right? And just making it up as he goes. And like, again, that it it was just, it, it would just take these random turns and then you'd be in a whole different place. And you're like, how is that connected? No. Yeah, okay. We're it's just not, moving forward. It's just not. Yeah. Because Minerva's story just kind of ends out of the blue. And then it's Emiliana's story. Well, no, but I think you made a point that Luke's story, I think it like yeah. it's three things. It, and Luke is yeah. the one who ties them together. Right? Oh. Because, like, Luke is the paramedic who showed up at Minerva's house after she was killed. Oh. I didn't realize that. And I think, I don't know why he's wandering around in a basement or an attic or somewhere in a house in the middle of the night. Like, I think he was there. I think that was his footage of him showing up at the the place where Minerva lived. Hmm. Which was this, like, trailer. Yeah. Which apparently was on top of a 
basement? Yeah, there was a foundation that they had put the trailer on top of that had a basement in it. I don't know. It was a thing. I don't think basements under mobile homes is a thing, (laughs) but I could be wrong. Anyway, he shows up because there's the 911 call and, you know, whatever they call for backup. And he shows up and he's trying to find his partner who is supposedly there with Minerva's remains. Only he ends up down in the basement or maybe an attic of something. I may be misremembering this, but he goes down in the basement. Somebody does anyway. And is filming all around. And... It goes on and on and on through this basement, just like your nightmare. Just like my nightmare, yep. And nothing at all happens whatsoever? Okay, here's the most frustrating part, is there were things that happened. We see Minerva's ghost. What? Like, there was a woman. There was a woman in wherever he was. He's, like, working his way down the stairs because it's pitch black. He, unlike Gary, does not have a flashlight. (laughs) And for some reason chooses not to look through the viewfinder of his oh, night yeah, that camera. Part. Oh, oh, wait. So you're talking about at the end when he's looking for Emiliana. No. I'm talking about he's like going around, right? Isn't that That's at the end. When he's he's at like the mine company or whatever, and it's pitch black, he can't see, but he's using a night vision camera that he's not looking through. Oh, no, Emiliana was at the car. I know. He went from the car and went out. And he was like, oh, there's some bushes over there. I'm going to look. And he kept going. That all continued. Oh, okay. Then, yes, that's what I'm thinking of. <laughs> then maybe he sees Emiliana's ghost. I don't know. But he's like, he can't see what's going on. He has no idea. And we're watching through the camera. We're seeing the footage. Yeah. And there's definitely one of the like creepy alien you know, Scarface yeah. creatures at one point. And then there's another point where he's going down a flight of stairs, holding onto the railing and like clearly can't see anything. And she's just standing there at the bottom of the stairs. Yeah. I thought that was one of the monsters. No, it was a woman. I mean, just monsters can be women too. <laughs> no, no, it was her. It was one of the it was one of the characters. Like it was her. I had no idea and, whatsoever. And, and so like we see her standing there and she's just like standing there waiting for him to get to the bottom of the stairs. Yeah. And then the camera like moves away to some, you know, it's like flailing uh-huh. all over the place. And she's gone. And then she's gone. And I'm like, what was the point of that? And and she never attacks him or anything. Nobody does. He he's gets away scot free and never knows they're there. Even though if he had just looked through the camera lens to see where he was going, he would have seen all this. Right. And honestly, like when they're recording the talking head footage of him for the yeah true crime documentary, he still doesn't know. I'm he, like, he clearly never looked for at real, the film. You never looked at that. Because you should be saying, I almost died that night. There was a woman at the bottom of the stairs. I can't believe she didn't attack me. Like, yep. Yeah, it was very weird. He he actually came in with a flashlight and it broke. Right, right. And so then he was stuck in the dark, flailing around, for some reason not looking through his lens. Okay, my theory is that after the first one, people gave them crap about how Gary could see in the dark because he had a night vision camera and the camera could see in the dark. And they were like, what's going on? Much like I was saying, like, why does he have a flashlight 
he'll be seen, That's a whatever. Good question. Like they gave all those all that critique, and so this time they were like, Fine, his flashlight dies, <laughs> see, and now he can't see anything. See? <laughs> Which doesn't make sense. <laughs> see. Yeah. Maybe they'll get it right in the third one. But to go back to the going in the basement thing, okay. there was the footage of walking down into the basement. I thought maybe it was the weird neighbor who filmed this, but I don't even know. And it was just walking around this basement that went on forever. And I don't think anything happened. Honestly, like, I don't know. Because, like, <laughs> for a while, I thought somebody... I did think the weird neighbor was recording something for a while, but maybe it was Luke. And uh, I did I think know. that they were in the basement of the weird neighbor's house, like the yellow house. Yeah. Because if not... Why did they talk to the weird neighbor and why did we get so much information about his weird yellow yes, house? Because he was of no importance to the movie whatsoever. No, he was very much a red herring because like they made him look like weird and Yeah, he, he looked hit. like he was one of the it's cr- it's creepy people. Yes. But he was just a super nice guy who who like happened to luck into this great house. <laughs> right because what did he say like he was he was homeless and he was driving <laughs> along and he saw this house and it was empty so he found the owners and they let him rent it and yeah. i was like That's, oh that sounds okay. like a lie to me <laughs> i found the owners <laughs> right oh i didn't even think of that i was just thinking that's super unplausible yeah but maybe he was just squatting there. Oh, I don't totally. Know. But the whole time he was just like, so I went over to introduce myself and welcome her to the neighborhood, which <laughs> yeah. consists of his weird yellow house and a pit mine. Yeah. Yeah. Because she she was staying in like the office for this pit mine because they didn't have housing for her for the internship or whatever she's doing. Okay. That reminds me of one of the notes that I made. They had the most elaborate explanations for (laughs) everything. Like they were like, okay, people are going to wonder why she's staying in this mobile home out in the middle of nowhere. Like we have to give this whole elaborate explanation about how she met someone while she was on vacation that caused her to be interested in geology. So then she decided to go to school. So then she signed up to do this semester course in this Nevada town, which had an active pit mine. But then she got there and someone had messed up the paperwork and there was no room in the dorm for her. And so then they decided to let her live in this trailer. Like, we didn't need any of that background. I didn't care about any of that. (laughs) I mean, that kind of sums up the movie. Yes. Every part of it was unimportant to every other part. Yes. You have to decide what movie you're watching, which one piece matters to you. Yeah. The whole thing. Like, it didn't, none of it fit together. Just like the first movie, which we haven't really said this, the first movie ends with some comment that there are groups out there who are looking for this cabin, and one of them said their results will be ready in 2021 or whatever year it was. Yeah. And so it was very clear. They're like, here's comes our sequel. And then the second movie ends with this guy talking about how he's got some info nobody else has, and he's going to go out and find this place, and there's going to be our sequel. Again, super elaborate, elaborate explanation. Like, he... I don't know how he got this new information, but he gives he he explains how, you know, he has 
saved up a, enough money so that <laughs> yeah. he's going to go to the United States and he can stay there for a whole month. And I'm just like, dude, too much backstory. Yeah, we didn't need to know like, any of that. Like, you wouldn't be telling us this. Like, I don't know. It was weird. But I was excited about the second movie because I wanted what the end of the first movie promised. I was like, yes, I want to see all of these, like, hipster influencers <laughs> Trying to make it out into the Nevada woods, the Nevada high desert. High desert. And being picked off one by one by this creepy dude in the cabin. Like, I wanted mm-hmm. that movie. And then this was not that at all. No, it was not. But now this movie is once again promising the movie that I wanted. They keep trying it. Yeah. Are you going to fall for it like it's M. Night Shyamalan? I mean, I might because I really want that movie. <laughs> So, I'm going to start with Horror in the High Desert. That was a relatively simple storyline. It had its flaws in how it was done, you know, with the night vision. And, you know, it had the flaws. The same flaws that most found footage movies have. It it did not figure out how to resolve those. That being said, it was a relatively entertaining story. I was engaged the whole time. I liked like all of the footage of Gary because we never see Gary alive. We only mm-hmm. ever see him in his footage. And I thought like he, the ad libbing that he did of like, I am this like lone hiker, very uh, autistic coded, by the way. Yeah. Like just, I'm out there enjoying the wilderness. Like look at these sheep and you know, there's a storm coming in. Like all of the stuff that he did was, it felt realistic. Yeah. And, most of it was a true crime documentary that was done well. Like, not just a true crime documentary, but one that was good. <laughs> so I really enjoyed it. I thought it was original. I am giving Horror in the High Desert four barefoot footprints out of five mm-hmm. because I enjoyed it. I think other people would enjoy it. It was clever, but not too clever. Like, <laughs> yeah. it didn't out-clever itself. I had fun with it. On the other hand, I am giving Horror in the High Desert 2 colon Minerva one canvas bag that is never explained out of five. Yeah. Because it was rambly, it was confusing. There was like a 10 minute period where we were just listening to Emiliana run through the woods. Yeah. And it really felt like like they hadn't given her enough information about what she was thinking or doing or saying or whatever and she forgot she was supposed to be ad-libbing and she was just like i'm just gonna run around i don't know what you're doing because the camera is flailing all over the place all we're listening to is you panting and like stumbling around in the high desert Mm -hmm. this is not fun and it was the same with all of them like none of it made sense i did not enjoy it i was very bored yeah and very disappointed so legit i would mark down the first film somewhat because first of all, because it just drops the true crime thing towards the very end and just switches to Blair Witch, which doesn't make any sense. And the Blair Witch part was so pointlessly slow. Like you would sit there pointing a camera at a tree for five minutes straight. And it was like, like he was adjusting his camera settings or something. I'm like, you wouldn't put this in the documentary. You'd show the important part. Anyway, so I did not like how it wrapped things up. I thought it was good when it was doing the true crime part. If they had had some plan 
that made that into something good, that would be great. Like if it if he had gone out there and like whatever swooped by a bird from the heavens and carried off, that could have been exciting. I don't know. Okay, <laughs> that's a that's a <laughs> twist. It's just if they had just done something interesting with it instead of just yeah, there was a dude with a machete. Like, okay, but, you know, if it was a true crime documentary, you would have pursued and figured out who this guy was and arrested him. Like, that's what the point is. So I was not as impressed as you were, but it was fairly entertaining and enjoyable, and I didn't know it was bad until the end. So I would give that three barefoot footprints out of five. Okay. It's not too bad, but it's it falls apart. That's fair. And that falling apart continues on past the end of the movie into Horror in the High Desert 2, colon, Minerva, Uh which is awful. It's all Blair Witch, but it's not scary. And I'm jaded. I'm sure this scares some people. But, like, even, like, they had a great setup there at the end with Luke. You know, his, his flashlight was busted. He couldn't see. They couldn't explain why. That made no sense. But they, they could have a security camera footage. That would have fixed the problem. Right. Anyway, he couldn't see. He's reaching around in the dark. And we get to see that he's just narrowly avoiding these creepy people who are kind of just wandering around. Like, For some reason, not bothering him at all. <laughs> yeah. Like, that should have been a terrifying situation. And it was just boring. Just yeah. like all the rest of the dark footage. So, yeah, I would give Minerva, Colin Minerva, one and a half canvas bags that are never explained out of five. I think they had no idea what they were doing. They were just like, that first movie did well, in quotes, and now we can continue. And they're like, what is continue? And they're like, "Uh, I don't know. We'll say it's a bunch of weird things. It felt like the best thing about that second movie, or the most interesting thing, I guess, about that second movie, was that there were a lot of interesting shots Like they did weird things with like, how would you mess up footage? You know, they would make it weirdly grainy and pixelated or have streaks or it would suddenly go black and white. Like they were definitely having fun playing with what does this footage look like? But there was no content. And that was like the thing that I found interesting and then realized was not interesting was all the weird voices like that was something Mm. we haven't mentioned it was a big part of it was a little part of the first movie in that just like the old guy in the shack was playing some terrible old music that was it and then they expanded on that in the second movie to have like these you know distorted voices happening out in the darkness somewhere and you didn't know what they were doing and they were like old-timey radio or that that was the basement scene where nothing happened It was like a 50s... Like march, military march sort of thing? Yeah, but it was like a... I think it was like beat poetry, you know, like complaining about war. yeah, yeah, And it was like, the boots go march and march and march. And it was weird. It was super weird, and it sounded weird, and that's why they put it in. And if that had meant something, and maybe we'll find out in number three, they had a really smart idea... But if it had meant something, it would have been cool. Mm-hmm. But it meant nothing. These were just people. It didn't connect to anything. Yeah. And right, there was this there was all this hinting that these people came from somewhere, like that so and so's grandfather had yeah. interacted with them. It was and like, like that's they're why they're coming back. They're back. And 
but none of it none of it was explained in mm-hmm. a way that made any sense to me yeah yeah disappointing Fight the horror of a world gone mad. So I'm going to keep my hot political tip very short for real this week. I just want to point out that in this pair of movies, much like in the political world, just because something is good one time doesn't mean that you can trust it to be good the next time. Yeah. And you got to keep an eye on things. Okay. Just because just someone votes the way you like one time doesn't mean they're not going to throw you under the bus for some lobbyist cash during the next election cycle. Keep an eye on them. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, we went real long on that movie. I could just keep rambling for days about that. It was just so weird. There was so much to be upset about. Yes. So we're going to go get upset about something else next week and share it with you all. So we'll see you then. Sounds good. Don't forget to call your elected representatives. this i don't want to be done talking about these movies they were stupid end of podcast <laughs>